So it kind of feels like the auditorium. Ah. <laughs> Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the things that we think about at the end of the year is a simple question, what's, what's next? Today's the 11th. We have 20 days left of the year. What's What's next? What's left in 2022 and what's there to think about? Obviously, you've got Christmas and New Year's and all of those things, but what's next as you look towards 2023? What are the goals? What are the objectives? What are the things? What are the challenges? Maybe you're a a big planner. You have it all figured out. You've got it on a spreadsheet and you say, well, on January 1st, we're going to watch some football and hang out and go to church. And then the second and then the third, we hit it. And we've got this and that and this and that and this and that. January, February, March, April, we're good to go. we got so much happening. Maybe you're a planner. You have what's next all figured out. Financed, good to go. You know what's next pretty much. Because life is also about adjusting to, adjusting your plan to what, what, comes, what comes down. And there's others who struggle with what's next. Perhaps 2022 has been complicated and sophisticated. Perhaps 2022 has been a difficult year, a year of loss, a a year of sickness, of brokenness, of sin, and you're struggling and wheezing and just trying to get to the end of the year because you know that when the calendar breaks, you can take a deep breath and somehow everything just kind of stays back in the previous year. And you're able to step up and step into the new year with a clean slate, with lots of open places to go and just kind of, sometimes you just hope that the trajectory of the days will become more hopeful and more optimistic. And we've been in some painful years. What's next? I like that question. What's next? One of the places we were able to see on our trip was the place where Abraham was called Abraham's Gate in a place called Tel Dan. And it it was 4,000 years old, 4,000 years old. And it wasn't one of those things where they said, well, you know, Abraham may have walked here. It it may have been that maybe a shirt tail relevant. Now, through the archaeology and stuff, they said Abraham walked here and Abraham's family was here. And Abraham walked through this gateway here. And whenever anyone asked me, they said, on that trip, what was the profound thing that you came back with? And one of them was in that place and the idea of feeling very, very, very small. That in the scope of 4,000 years history, I'm just a guy working in a congregation, loving the Lord and loving people, but... In the scope of the history of 4,000 years, I'm very, very, very small. And I began to think in my heart a little bit about how history ebbs and flows. And the reality that through those ebbs and flows of history, that God has demonstrated an inordinate amount of faithfulness. The promise God made to Christopher is not when he's going to depart from here, not going to wake up one morning and God's going to say, well, I've kind of had enough. It just doesn't work that way. I love when God comes down to, to, to Moses in the desert and, and he says, here's the burning bush. He says, who should I say sent me? He said, well, tell him the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He goes, who? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
The God who was faithful 400 years ago to your father Abraham, to his son Isaac, and to his rascal son Jacob. God is faithful in good years of joy and peace and easiness and simplicity of life, and God is faithful in difficult times. But either way, God is faithful. God knows where he's going and what he's doing and how the events of history and the events of your life are going to line up and work together for good. So where are you going? What's next? I love that. What's next? Isaiah gives his people in Isaiah 35 a picture of where they're going. And it's glorious. It's just fabulous. The, the, the animals and the things are talking, the, uh, they're, they're shouting and sprouting and growing and there's water where there shouldn't be, like this morning in Orange, and it's just fantastic. Everything's kind of turned on its head. Everything's going to kind of work together. The words there are fantastic. It, it's going to be a time of strengthening, a time of rejoicing, a time of new life. It will be a time of steadiness. And God will come to save his people. And then the marvelous pieces that are proclaimed in Isaiah 35 that are made real in the gospel reading. Blind eyes will see. The lame will leap like a deer. The mute tongue will shout for joy. Nations and people and nature and all things will live at peace. And he uses the word joy. Joy. They will rejoice. Now, what's interesting to me is if you take your Bible and you look this afternoon, if you look at chapter 34, it's a prophecy against the nations. And it's not happy, joyful stuff. It's he's going to clobber these ones and beat these ones and destroy these. We're going to plunder this and hammer this and take care of that. And, And then all of a sudden, here's 35, and it's beautiful. And then you get to 36. And King Sennacherib of Assyria comes into Hezekiah and says, I'm going to make a deal with you because I'm bringing my army in and... And the enemies are at the gates in chapter 36. 34, dark, dreary, joyless things. In chapter 36, there's the biggest army in the region waiting to hammer Jerusalem. And in the middle of that, joy. (laughs) What a great illustration, right? 2022, you got some of that stuff? December 11th. Joy. December 12th, back at it. No. We're Christian people who are connected to the Messiah through faith. So joy comes in knowing what's next. What's next? For the people of Israel at that time, they were in the throes of some bad stuff, but they had a destination that they understood and they knew that was far better than the pagans sitting at the gates. Their destination is the peaceful place where, with God that lasts forever. Their destination is eternity. Their destination is heaven. And so is yours. That's ultimately what's next. We don't necessarily put that on our calendar. We hold that in our heart. We know that what's next when the eyes close is the eyes opening in heaven with the Lord Jesus. And joy comes from knowing what's next. Resiliency in the moment comes in knowing what's next. Anti-fragility and standing strong comes from knowing what's next. 
and Christians who have received the gift of faith in the Messiah, in Jesus, have the God-given gift of joy. In Galatians 5, Paul says, and the fruits of the Spirit are love and joy. And peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Fruits of the Spirit are love and joy. Joy is beyond just feeling it. Joy is beyond our reason and knowledge. Joy is seeing through the current circumstance and seeing what's next in light of the light of the world. I'm on my way to heaven. And I won't be deterred no matter who is at the gate, no matter what has come behind me, no matter what's before me. I am not afraid and I am undeterred because my Lord is leading me to heaven. I love that. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. During this season, I think a lot about writing sermons and worship and those things. It's just what it is. And I'm gathering and listening to podcasts and reading books and trying to, trying to make, you know, honestly, I want to make every Christmas sermon the best sermon you've ever heard. And sometimes I'm like, that's really good. And sometimes I'm like, oh man, that was just horrible. You know, just stand up and say, Jesus is born, step down and pray for Easter, right? But, it, but I get to think a lot about our church. And honestly, as a senior pastor, I think a lot about St. John's. It's not a passing thing that I turn off and turn on. Yesterday morning, I'm making breakfast and making rolls, and I'm thinking about the concerts, and I'm thinking about the peace with the children, and I'm thinking about the baptism this morning, the preschoolers standing in the rain in the courtyard ready to come into church at the next service. It's not a passing thing. It's a constant thought. And I'm not even sure that when the day comes to retire, either you retire me or I retire from this, that, that I turn that off. I'm not sure. It's just a switch. Friday night, my wife and I and a very dear friend, we had dinner at Frank Coley's, which just killed it. It was just fantastic dinner. I didn't have so much pasta that I sat in church kind of brain dead glazed over, but it sure tasted good. We walked from Frank Coley's, we came, we sat right where Tim and Barb and Carmen and David are sitting and it was just surreal. Alex and Carissa, what you did and let us in Friday night, Saturday at two and five was unreal. A friend texted me, he said, that was about the best you can do. I said, and we're a church. Most churches can't do what we do in that regard. I looked over and my, my wife's friend, our dear friend, was so emotionally moved by the music and the arrangements. And then when Alex turned around and led us to sing the hymn, you could feel the air come out of the whole sanctuary as 900 people went, <gasps> and they all sang. I get to think about that. I think about our church and our church office and people coming in and saying, what are all these diapers doing here? You, what, what, are, what are all these diapers? This is so dumb. How many diapers do you have? And I said, this is just the end of the diapers. You should see how many we got out in the garage. I got diapers for every little bottom. 
I got diapers and wipes and we had a Christmas extravaganza last Saturday. A thousand people there. So joyful. Our services are ready to go for Christmas. And people who haven't darkened the door for Christmas, or who haven't darkened the door of St. John's for a while, they'll be here for Christmas because they want to check in and see if Jesus still loves them. And that's okay. Our school marches forward leading students to Jesus. I got 120 preschoolers sneaking in here at 1030. 715 students in our school every day. We've got Bible study groups. We've got groups caring for others. There's ministry that's done that's not on the page. That's probably some of the most important things that we do as people reach out and care for other people. I received notice that Dr. Hoger passed away and, 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 the, and, and the community of saints rallies around. They don't need me to send an email or a text and say, and now we need to start praying for one another because you do that because you have the joy of the redeemed of Jesus in your hearts. There's so much and I can go on and on and on. And I'm reminded that a congregation's job is to do two primary pieces. And the first piece we're doing right now, and that is to keep your eyes open and focused on what's next. It's easy to get sucked into Isaiah 34 and all the stuff that's going on around us. It's easy to get sucked into Isaiah 36 and say, well, there's all sorts of bad people out there, but not for the redeemed. Our job is to keep our eyes on what's next. We are heaven-bound people, not slaves taken off into slavery, walked by our masters through the, through the peninsula. No, we are the people of God who are heaven-bound. And every Sunday is a reminder that we are heaven-bound. One of my dearest friends, he says, I want to preach. And he said, you always give the same message, so it really doesn't matter. And I said, any idiot can preach one sermon. <laughs> Takes a, a pastor to preach 52 or 100 in a year, right? To find different and creative ways. Ways that poke you when you're hurting. Ways that affirm you when you're encouraged. That remind you that you are heaven-bound people. We are on our way to Jesus. And Jesus is on the way. The first piece is to remember that we are headed to see Jesus. And so with that, the Messiah brings peace with God for us and the good news of the gospel that God in Christ is in love with us, that he beholds us in our gate, beholds us in his grace, and that when, when we arrive at heaven's gate, we don't have to knock, and, and the Lord looks at the, the ring app on his phone and says, oh my gosh. If I just am quiet, maybe they won't know I'm here. No way. No way. The good news of Jesus Christ is that God is anxiously waiting at the gate to open the door, to show you the way, to usher you into heaven, because that's what's next. And the second piece of being church and being together in the community of the faithful is that we land safely on the shore of what's next, that you are delivered to the gateway of the palace of the king. And in that time, there will be turmoil, 
And we get through that together. And there'll be pain and loss and conflict and war and death and all that stuff of Isaiah 34 and Isaiah 36. It'll all, we'll go through all of that stuff. But that's the way through. That's not the destination. There are people out there who want the demise of the Lord and his people. And they are always thwarted. But it's the job of the church like a lifeboat to get you safely to the portal of heaven away from this sinking ship of an earth and to the other side, to what's next. And in that passion, there's joy. No one can take it or steal it. No one can tell you, well, you don't know where you're going. Uh-uh. Jesus is the way. I know where I'm going. You know where you're going. You've been reminded of it the last 50 weeks. We are on our way with Jesus. And in that, there's joy. Joy that no one can take, no one can deny, no one can mess with. Because Jesus and faith in him is a gift of God that resides so deeply in our soul that it becomes a part of who we are and what we're all about. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy comes from knowing Jesus and knowing that in following him, we know what's next so what's next well probably some of Isaiah 34 we don't have that profound election cycle next year praise God for that nations and politics conflict and garbage we're not ignorant of reality as people of joy our world is broken and it's devolving and so on the way and through the turmoil, we will get to what's next, navigating with a profound hope in Jesus. We won't quit. We won't give up. We might struggle, but we won't quit. Because the moment I go down and struggle, you pick me up. The moment you go down and struggle, I pick you up. That's what the body of Christ is all about. So what's next? Probably some of Isaiah 36, ungodly people are going to make ungodly decisions and we're going to look and roll our eyes and go, you have absolutely got to be kidding me. He said, what? Oh yeah, it's all over YouTube and Twitter and whatever else. I thought about trading my smartphone for a dumb phone for the next year. We'll have to navigate through those people and deal with them and press on and that's okay. If Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob could do it, then you and me and the people of God can do it and handle it as well because we know where we are going. We know where we are headed. We know what's next. What's next? Where we end up. This I know, that each step is a step closer to eternal peace. Each minute off the clock is one minute closer to eternity. Each experience leads us closer to Jesus and that the good news and the heavenly portal ultimately is what's next. And we know where we're going and we're going together. And we receive what's next through faith and hope in Jesus Christ. And that, that, that leads to a marvelous sense of joy. 
And with joy comes two gifts for you in the next two weeks. One is a very merry Christmas. And the second is a hopeful, happy new year. Amen? Amen.